0: I told you it was
1: going to be weird (laughs) (laughs) It is weird Ladies and gentlemen, Fred Eaglesmith Take it away, Fred What are you going to play for us? Harold Wilson Harold Wilson
2: Harold Wilson is my name Son, why don't you set a spell I live right here on the Ferguson Road At the Paradise Motel And though you do not know me There's a story I like to tell It's a story that I'm sure you know well It's a story that I'm sure you know well I had me a place on Thunder Ridge in a doomsday shack My wife had left and took the kids a couple of years back And I spent most of my mornings thinking about that And my afternoons trying to figure out what to plan Spent my afternoons trying to figure out what to plan Did you ever try to farm a farm With a pick and a shovel Try to put a field into corn Just to wouldn't grow nothing Staring down across the town You wonder why even bother When up the road there's a vacant room Climate controlling color And you can stay there by the month For a hundred dollars You can stay there by the month For a hundred dollars There wasn't money in corn And there wasn't money and beans They took my telephone Shut off my electricity Then a letter came in the mail Saying there's taxes owed by me If I was ever gonna pay Well I had three weeks If I was ever gonna pay Well I had three weeks Did you ever try to farm a farm With a pick and a shovel Try to put a field into corn Just wouldn't grow nothing Staring down across the town You wonder why even bother When up the road there's a vacant room Climate controlling color And you can stay there by the month for a hundred dollars You can stay there by the month for a hundred dollars So they sold that farm to some fool For ten cents on a dollar I saw him out there last week I was on the way to visit my daughter and that son of a gun is out there trying to hook a windmill up to water. When he heard me laugh, well, he turned and I swear he hold her. When he heard me laugh, well, he turned, I swear he hold her. Did you ever try to form a farm with a pick and a shovel? Try to put a field into corn just to wouldn't grow nothing? Staring down across the town, you wonder why I even bother? When up the road there's a vacant room Climate control in color And you can stay there by the month for a hundred dollars You can stay there by the month for a hundred dollars Now the government checks come down a pike as rain, And I sit outside most nights Except when the June bugs drive me in Harold Wilson is my name son Why don't you set a spell I live right here on the Ferguson Road at the Paradise Motel
1: Very nice, very nice. Now we get started. All right. <laughs> Audience, right? nice. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> you ever played to a fake audience? Oh, two? yeah, yeah, they're very, they're so very a real. Fake audience, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're very generous. Yeah, they eh? like the other guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we were very, very honored here at Live from the Dutch Hall to have Fred Eaglesmith come in. So, thanks a lot for coming in, Fred. Oh, thank you. It, and thanks, Mike, uh, Ostachuk, for, for lining this all up. It was great uh, for, it to, for it to finally happen. Um, welcome to Live from the Dutch Hall again. Uh, we have a big show tonight with Fred Eaglesmith. So before we get too deep into it, I would like to just get some business out of the way so that we can uh, go with a long interview with Fred. So I'd like to get our segment we call... Fred, we got a segment we call Feedback. We got feedback where we talk to our listeners. So we'll get that started and out of the way before we start, so... We got feedback. I wish got you to do this one. Feedback. So welcome to Feedback, We Got Feedback. Uh, this week, we're going to try to make it real short because we have a long, lot of stuff to talk about with Fred. But Feedback, We Got Feedback this week uh, is, again, always brought to you by Amazon, Amazon.com, and Amazon.ca. If you go to live from the Dutch Hall... Dot com and you click on the Amazon banner, you can buy something for your mom for Mother's Day coming up, or you can uh, buy your dad some sort of a golf club that you can sneak whiskey into. Someone, one of our listeners sent us, uh, Tara Melz, or Hazen, uh, sent us a, a link to a golf club that I guess you can hide a bottle of whiskey in to, for your dad, and you can get that on Amazon. So thanks to uh, Tara for doing that. And uh, once again, if you're going to do that, just go on, the, go on my website and click the banner. That's the only way we can pay for uh, stuff to make this show better so we can keep improving it and moving on every week for you. Um, feedback, we got feedback. I just wanted to talk. We have one uh, Twitter follower uh, who actually started following me, Fred, because, uh, because I, told, I told him that you were coming on the show. So we had a, a girl called IceGirl60 uh, that's been retweeting everything I do. And uh, she's really geared up about this episode, so hopefully I don't disappoint right on. her. Right on. And uh, so I'd like to thank her for following me on Twitter, IceGirl60. And the other thing that we were very concerned about last week, we have a listener called the Haitian Dwarf. And the Haitian Dwarf's been with us since week one. And, uh, you know, I'm really, uh, you know, I really uh, grown fond of the little man because uh, he's always been there since the episode one, giving us feedback every week. And uh, last week was the first week that we did not hear from him. And I I don't know if you know this, but Haitian dwarves are generally, they don't have a long lifespan. Or dwarves in general, you know, like those little guys don't live as long. So every time I don't hear from them, I get a little concerned. And, um, well, this week, it was just happened, like I got the feedback from last week, but I got it a little later than normal. And uh, thank goodness for that, because I was really concerned. Because he does, he he, uh, participates in... uh, dwarf tossing as it turns out, like over the, over the weeks we learned it. Right. And, um, so he did give us their feedback and, uh, basically oh, technical issues. So I wanted to thank him, but he basically said, uh, I think his, his feedback was something along the lines of, um, uh, this was referring to two episodes ago when we talked about, uh, evil bankers and some of the things they do. As far as uh, I mentioned, I believe that they, they, uh, on their nights out, they, they tend to out uh, of sport, they murder a hooker. I think that was how I had put it. So he said killing hookers was wrong. That was his feedback to us. And he said one time he was with a, a, a prostitute, and uh, she threw him out of a window because he said he was a little short. And that that was his attempt at a joke. Nice. He doesn't hit every week, Fred. Right. Right. He doesn't okay. hit every All week. Right. <laughs> <All right. laughs> but anyways, I want to just uh, thank the Haitian Dwarf for always being here for us. And, uh, again, we're doing the show on a Wednesday uh, we'll release it tomorrow, but so we didn't have feedback from him for last week's show, but uh, we'll get that next week, I'm sure. Uh, the other thing I wanted to do is just remind everybody, if you wanted to contribute to the show, you can follow me on Twitter, Dutch Hall on Twitter. You can also uh, uh, like my Facebook page, Live from the Dutch Hall, or uh, send me an email at livefromthedutchhall@gmail.com, at gmail.com, and we will uh, make sure to try to make the show better. And thank you all very much for listening. So that is feedback. We got feedback. Short and sweet. My sister tells me that that is the worst part of the show. And I think she's probably right. <laughs> <laughs> so today uh, is my first, this is my second Wikipedia guest, uh, Fred Eaglesmith. Oh, really? Uh, is that a thing now? I'm yes, Wikipedia. it is.
0: Wow, that's funny.
1: Did you not know you are on Wikipedia? Oh, yeah. I just
0: think, I thought everyone was on Wikipedia.
1: Oh No, I tried. They tried. I, we had a listener set me up on Wikipedia because I was Re- complaining about it. They you? Oh, yeah. They said I was insignificant. You were insignificant. <laughs> insignificant, and uh, then they gave me a large definition of what significant means, and they boiled it down to that fact that they didn't find me uh, notable or interesting.
0: Wow. <laughs> It'd be cool if there's a Wikipedia that said you were insignificant.
1: <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's my main claim to fame well, is you know, my Well, you get be, to, be to the
0: Wikipedia that he's insignificant. <laughs> that's good.
1: That's I would take good. it. I would take it. At least I'd be something, yeah. right?
0: You need relatives. You know, I think, I think a lot of my stuff on Wikipedia that I read, I haven't read it for a long time, but it was like uh, – Old relatives I hadn't seen who didn't really like me that much, and you could see between the lines where sort of digs. Oh, really? Yeah, they don't like him that much. Things like, yeah, he's he's an, he's not really a good singer, but he he's a good writer, you know. And I sort of know one of my Dutch relatives who says that.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, like yeah, yeah. So the, the Dutch are known for their uh, their honesty, I think. Well, but, they're blunt. They're yeah. More
0: than than honest, they're blunt. They're t- they're you know they're they're uh, they're brutal. You know, I I, I was in the Holland one time, and I. I called room service. I called up. Uh, it was Mother's Day, and I was in my room. I said, do we have r- I forget the town I was in. You know, <laughs> I said, do, do we have uh, room service in? <laughs> and she went, nope. I hung up the phone. Like, nope, there's no
1: service. You know, was just blank. It, it was left. a black and white answer. Yeah, that's uh, what, yeah, that's what <laughs> you get there all the time. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's definitely that way. I think there's something in our dna that just make us real stern or something like yeah,
0: that. yeah we're stoic.
1: stoic 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 that's and a really good word
0: stoic and really uh, sort of this is the way it is this is the way it is which is real good and real bad really yeah real good real bad
1: yeah I, I and i get accused of that too both on both sides of it All i right. can see myself I, i'm afflicted with it i can't yeah, help it yeah, van, yeah, yeah. van dyke yeah, yeah. so i'm to give a, a brief introduction to fred eaglesmith for those of you that don't know fred and I don't know why you don't, but if you don't know F- Fred Eaglesmith, Fred's one of our uh, great renaissance men, one of Canada's great renaissance man. I would nice, say. Nice. He's a singer, songwriter. Uh, he's an a artist, a bus driver, yeah, mechanic, yeah. Uh, What a, a store owner, bottle washer.
0: Yeah, farmer. I've been a
1: farmer. Farmer?
0: I've been a high-pressure water blaster. I was a wholesale florist. Uh, I was a pipe fitter and uh worked in construction it was a carpet I did carpets did flooring uh block laying I did all I did almost everything yeah almost re- everything I do electricity <laughs> yeah I can uh, yeah I,
1: I uh, that comes from your farm upbringing I imagine
0: yeah and I I was raised at a really cool time because I was just on the end of the back to the land movement so I wasn't in it like those guys I, bl- I was like I, I always say we're the Y generation there was sort of the baby boomers and then there was the X generation but we were between them yeah and uh so I really liked the values of going back to the land. So I really studied it and did it. Then they had all quit. Oh yeah. They quit. You know, they went. They went and bought the four by four. You know. Oh yeah. But yeah. I didn't quit. I sort of was always into it. So I stayed with the values,
1: yeah. which was cool. Yeah. 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 So, oh, just to continue. Uh, well, Fred, you have a pretty story career. Um, you, uh, as a cha- as a teenager, um, hopped on a freight train, went out west, where you started writing songs. Uh, and, and performing, uh, released his first album at 22 and then went, to, uh, uh, is now on your 20th studio album, Ta- right, tambourine. Right, right. And, uh, you've uh, had your songs covered by some of Nashville's biggest stars, Alan Jackson and Toby Keith, Miranda Lambert. Right. Uh, you've had your music featured in, uh, films and television programs like True Blood and Grimm. You've performed on Late Night with David Letterman. Right. Uh, and as I said before, your latest album is Tambourine. And I would say you're touring that album, but you're always touring. So I guess... Yeah, we don't
2: really tour.
0: You know, We're not really in the music business very much. We don't do it the way you're supposed to do it. So we tour. Right yeah. now we're playing maybe two songs off of our new record uh, of the shows, maybe four some nights. Uh, you know, Big Night would be five.
1: Uh, is your set list set when you go? No, out?
0: no, I just go by feel. But if it doesn't feel like the new record, then I don't play the new record. You know, people don't want to hear the new record. They want to hear the old record and the old record, the new record becomes the old record. So yeah. yeah. Like five years later, playing a lot of songs off the record, you know, that you put out five years ago or four years ago or three years ago.
1: Even. You don't want everyone going to get a drink when they, you play the well, new no, song. it's just or... like,
2: so, they don't really want to hear it. You know, and there's a yeah. whole
0: thing of music business got circumvented, uh, by business, music got circumvented by business. in, in the early uh, '60s, when rock and roll was sort of hitting, music business hadn't caught up to it. Business was behind, and that's why we had such great music. Business took it took them almost eight or ten years to get ahead of it. That's when the Beatles started suing each other and everything. Business finally caught up with uh, the music, but for six or eight years there, there was a wonderful time when music actually owned it. Yeah, yeah. And I, that's the, where I live. I live in that world where the music like. It's got so bad now that I can't even talk to someone without them saying, talking music business terms. No right. Whoever right. talks about creativity or art, or they talk about those in those terms of, of business. Do you make it? Do you think you'll get a break?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, they, even, they even use like vernacular that's really stale and. Yeah,
1: it's really gross, gross corporate group. language. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And they use it all the time, even just people, because they don't even know anymore that that's not, that's not it. Right, right. right? Well, don't... So I'm out of it, I'm not part of
1: it. Do you find that with the uh, w- with the, with the internet now that it's kind of like we're the artists are kind of gaining that back again? No,
0: artists are, are artists are worse. Are, artists are terrible now. They, they, have, they have no idea anymore. That they, that they, they, they're just lost in this the swamp of of business. They don't even know how not to be business people. So I can meet. I, I was t- telling somebody today. I, I met someone. I wrote her a letter. I wrote a letter to this person about a. a Sort of saying, you know, there's this environmental thing going on in our community. You should be aware of this. You're sort of a, you know, a new age, uh, um, aware person. And they put me on their mailing list. Oh, really? (laughs) Well, that's what they do. They put you on their mailing list. They don't even think that, hey, this guy didn't want to be on my mailing list. He's not talking business. So, so four months later I get something from their mailing list. They, right. you know you can, you can write a friend and they 'll put you on their mailing list, like their business mailing list they don 't understand that a mailing list is corporate and your friend is your friend. My artist' friends don't even know the difference anymore they immediately if you write them you 're on their mailing list, right. so you get this sort of horrible thing this is where i 'm going to appear in your town you know and and they don't artists have lost their way with this yeah and it, and it it has to all fail, and then maybe it'll come back but but it's they have lost their way,
1: yeah. Know? But but I but as far as like and uh, the music industry the way it's changed, um, especially like with uh, the amount of uh, free like the amount of stealing that you can get of yeah, people yeah. stealing your your stuff, um, the way that people uh, try to try to make a living out of it anymore right. is more like I find there's like almost two. Two ways that – there's the American Idol, like the talent show kind of way where the yeah. corporate entities get yeah, a hold of you right. and package you, and you just sure, kind of right. like um, give yourself to them to do whatever you want. Right. Those people don't have a lot of artistic integrity. Well, so, you know, some come up from
0: that and do really well. I mean, I think that's where Miranda came out of. I think Miranda came out of a contest. Did she? I think she came out of a contest. And uh, uh, there's lots that have come out of contests now, and they've gone on because the machine has noticed them. Right, right. So the machine takes them and does what they want with them. And,
1: you know, intercontent is pretty interesting anyway. Would would a person like that have the, the ability to direct their career? Like, would they be able to choose the content? they?
0: Yeah, I think Miranda probably chooses what, you know. But uh, a lot of times those people have different values than I would. And even their artistic uh, values would be different. Or the bar is lower than I would. You know, and it's, I'm not slagging them. I'm just saying they have a different... Uh, thing that i do you know right, right with me it's really pure it's really and as older i get the more i get it's really pure and don't mess with it because uh you're very lucky to get it but when you're young and hungry uh integrity is very expensive
1: yeah yeah integrity is no very
0: expensive and it takes really a long it takes such a long time to to arrive anywhere if you're going to have integrity and you know the amount of stuff you have to turn down yeah is, uh, you know one night i was in nashville and uh, a star wanted to go out on a date with me, and I wouldn't go. I you know, said, so I'm not going out on a date with her. And my publisher just couldn't believe I wouldn't go on a date with this girl because it was, it, good, for business. It was good for business. You know, yeah. and uh, there's all this stuff that goes on. But, uh, you know, people always think the music business, they think of those guys, those uh, those big corporate guys. But they, you can see those guys. Those guys aren't so scary to me. They're, they're just douchebags, and you can tell they are. But it's, you know... In our experience, in my experience, the traveling show experience, uh, it's, the, it's the school teacher who takes the summer off and decides she's going to be a music promoter. She's the one who gets me every time. <laughs> she's the one who decides that she needs 15% of my merchandise after the show. Or it's the guy who's running the local hall, uh, concert hall, which they, they built for $40 million and now can't fill it. He's the guy who gets And he's just a guy. Mm-hmm. He's the guy who, after the show, says, "I want twenty percent," and you know, I want to count everything you have. And it's not the, the head of E I, I, One. You know, yeah. I, I, I work with E One Records. Those guys, our negotiation is so easy, it's unbelievable. But the negotiations I have with this preacher in Saskatchewan, who decided he wanted to be in the music business, he's the guy who's always getting me. Right. He's right. the guy
1: and you know people don't realize that. And that's how is that because they don't know the the reality of it, the dollars and cents. I'm sorry to interrupt. Well, me.
2: you know you used to be in business. You right, you were yeah. you you know yeah. business. There's rules in business. Yeah. And if you follow those rules, they're just rules. You just follow those rules. These are the rules of
0: business. Yeah. But it's when when people don't really know the rules and decide, well, that's not fair that you made thousands of dollars tonight and I only made hundreds and you go, well, that was the deal you cut. Mm-hmm. That was the deal you made. And they go, well, that doesn't seem fair. And you go, sorry, th- this was your deal. You offered it to me. Right. There's this sort of thing of, of, uh, you know, I had a cousin one time he called. He wanted to book me for a show and he wanted to do a 50-50 deal. And we said, no, we would do a 90-10 deal. And he's a preacher.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and he said,
0: I do deals all the time. Do yeah, he
2: hires Christian musicians in his
0: church and gets them for 50% of the gross. You know, be, and you go, you, he doesn't even know he's being criminal-like. Right, He, right. Doesn't, he doesn't even know he's not doing it. those. That's sort of the music business now that's so ugly. You know, I've been, I've so, been, I've been screwed more times by the guy with the ponytail than the guy with the blue suit and the glasses.
1: Is that
2: right? Almost,
0: eh? almost, uh, a hundred percent more times. Wow. The guy with the blue, I I don't, the guy, I always say this about right wing guys. They take the knife out, they put it on the table. You know, they're going to stab you. It's, you just <laughs> got to know when. Yeah. My left wing friends hide the knife up their sleeve. And when you're not looking, they stab your wife. You know, that's, <laughs> you know, that's what I, that's what I always say. It's, it's never, I can see those guys. They're not hard to deal with.
1: Yeah. At least when you know what you're dealing with, you can make the appropriate. You know who they right? are.
0: Yeah. You know, one of my re one of my best friends got me on a really bad deal this year, got he had a trap in a contract that I didn't see. Fourteen years later, it came out and it was a trap, and he trapped me. I was thinking about it today. I was thinking my friend trapped me in a contract. My friend, he's still my friend. Yeah. But he was—he's a right-wing Republican. I knew he was going to get me someday, oh, and he yeah. got me.
1: Yeah, I always get leery when someone says it's only business. You know, oh, i was yeah, like, yeah, if yeah, someone yeah. says it's only business, it means that they've given no regard to the to, to humanity at yeah. all.
0: Well, I think there's a really good thing when you draw the line, especially when you're dealing with friends, because I deal with lots of friends in my business, because in my band. I say there's a line here, and on this side of the line, let's say that goes on between eight and and, 10 and nine o'clock at night. you could tell tell me to screw off, but you can't tell me to screw off between nine that night and eight the next morning, but if you do tell me, you can't tell me the next day during that time. Yeah. There, that's the line. <laughs> yeah. You know that's the business personal line.
1: Yeah. but yeah,
0: I, I, I had somebody tell me this year it was just, this is only business friend and I thought, "hm, yeah,
1: yeah. Hmm, you know hmm, interesting. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't. I think that, that it always ends up biting you. If you end up, I always feel if you're gonna do what's best for everyone, if you look out for the best interest of everyone, then you know, sure you don't make as much money the first time around, but it's, you're gonna have a longer go of it. I mean, well, it just
0: depends if, if what your values are, what you want, yeah, you know, I what, what you want, and what you know. Uh, I, I think uh, it's not. Uh, integrity isn't really a word that's used very much anymore. It's not even thought of, you know, or your word is your word. Or I do lots of deals still without contracts. Yeah. yeah. I do lots of them. It drives people crazy or use the same lawyer. Say, let's just use the same lawyer. Yeah. You can't do that. I go, why don't we just go and negotiate with the same lawyer. Then he can say what we said. As a matter of fact, I just, I did a deal many years ago with the same lawyer. We were, it was in debate a little while ago. We called the lawyer, and he said, this is what we said, guys. And I was wrong. And I said, well, that's what the lawyer said. So I was wrong. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? It wasn't that hard to do, but it's
1: people go, you can't do this. You can't do Oh, this. if you got a second lawyer in that same situation, and then they'd still be going at it.
0: Well, you know, it's it. like all this stuff. But, you know, business, everything in this world almost has a set of rules. Mm -hmm. i learned this really the hard way nature has rules Mm -hmm. you know uh uh, and it's just if you're going to do that if you're going to be a catholic then you've got to abide by catholic rules if you're going to be a boy scout you got to be abide by Boy Scout. if you're not going to then don't be that
1: Mm -hmm. right i think catholics might be the exception there we're allowed to say we're sore (laughs) 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 that's good that's good so like you you took like a you took a different route or your route to you kind of touched on it a bit but your way of that you did your career is would be unconventional by probably a lot of these business type oh yeah yeah Way the way to go like you, you did it your own way and even still like right now you're doing a legion tour right or are you Yeah, still? we're playing Legion,
0: yeah. Yeah, we're and uh, again it's to get out of the
1: music business. Yeah. There's no promoters at the Legion Right, you're doing that
0: yourself then? Yeah, we do it all. We, we go in and set up the chairs and do the lights and, and promote the gigs and put up the signs on the side of the road and the posters and take them down four days later. We do it all because then we don't have to deal with the music business. And the music business at any level is so gross, it's unbelievable.
1: All right, and that way it's just pure. Like it's just, just it is. Where
0: rock and roll was supposed to be... If you read the early Rolling Stones days, they were doing this. The Rolling Stones were doing this. They were going in and setting up their own shows, five bucks to get in in England, and people went. And, you know, they had to put up the lights in the South gear. And uh, Mick said it not long ago. He said there was 20 years there. It was really easy for us, but rock and roll's always been hard. Yeah. And it's hard. And it's just really hard, these Legion tours... But uh, we're working every weekend and it's really good and we're tired and it beats us up but it's not the same being beat up as if you go home and go, that was a gross experience. We had to deal with that guy. Mm-hmm. You know?
1: You don't have to take a bath. Right.
0: <laughs> well, you know, yeah, it's just this thing that happens, you know? And Ontario theaters can be really, really uh, awful. Some are good. Some are really good but Ontario theaters can be really awful especially the corporate ones. Oh, yeah. You know, they've really figured out how, you know, uh, uh, to they have expenses that are unbelievable on yeah. a, you know on, on a on a f- show that might grow fifteen th- gross fifteen thousand dollar expenses of thirteen thousand dollars yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah oh man mm. yeah, and then you wonder why you did it at all well, and they the do same this thing, thing and the-
0: they bring out the chicken and they bring out this catering that's that's thousands of dollars and they break and they pad it all you know they add they add value to it they try all this stuff with you and go if you talked to them when they started, they would have told you they went into the theater cause they loved artists and art and music. And then all their, they're just like record companies just putting it to you day after day. It gets really, the longer you go, the, the tireder you get. And so instead of getting bitter, I just went around them.
1: Yeah. Makes them bitter. So do you think, do you think, you, well, it's hard to say cause I was like, I always kind of, I knew, I knew your, your work, but then when I knew you were coming in, I, right. I really got into your work mm-hmm. cause I wanted to know, mm-hmm. to know, um, uh, You know what i was doing when i talked to you sure but um you're so eclectic like uh like the amount of changes from one album to the next it's it's like all over the place it's it's really different you're kind of always changing it up which is what i like about it and uh so does it do you find that with one style versus another that some plays better to a small room and some will play better to a bigger room or i don't
0: really think about that i i go on uh just on feel when i'm on a show i just go i I might start the same two or three songs and end with the same two or three songs but in between i just go what are they feeling what are they feeling like oh they're sad tonight they want to hear happy songs or they're happy tonight they want to or sometimes, you know, I was in Elora last week and I could tell they wanted to just sort of listen to mid-tempo songs. And that's where, and so I played a whole night of not really rocking, not really sad, but sort of mid-tempo and they were liking it. And I just can feel that, you know, I was in Port Rowan the other night, it was 90 people in the Little Legion there. And you could just see that they were like Thursday night at the Legion. They just wanted to be entertained. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? They're yeah. real happy when they left, but I just do that. Yeah. Again, not doing business.
1: Right, right. Again, not doing business, you know. Uh, Did you, like you're, you have a huge catalog of music. Like, tw- you're. This is your twentieth right, album, right, right? Right. So your band has to be pretty good to be able to, like, could you. You're yeah, I have feeling... a phenomenally
0: good band. I have a phenomenally good band, and the more we work together, the more we know what we're going to do without speaking, like a brother or sister. So my band now, just I, I swear, I could play a brand new song, and they could play it with me. Never heard it before. You yeah. Know? Also, I'm predictable. They're really good musicians. You know, they, I'm predictable. They know you know. It's like when you're with your brother, you know what he's gonna do. Yeah. yeah they yeah. know what I'm gonna do. Yeah.
1: yeah. So it's good. Yeah. Um I'd love to ask a of questions, but I'm not going to um so that, the yeah Jack White I, you know Jack White
0: yeah yeah a little yeah I know of him yeah, I no,
1: don't of know him yeah he's the same way he doesn't never has a set list and right. just kind of plays it by the feel of the crowd and stuff like that and that's what I always I, I, I that's what I always appreciate about his shows that you kind of he's you you feel like you're a part of it because and it's spontaneous because he's reading the emotion of the well crowd. you know imagine
0: imagine going into the bedroom and having sex with your partner with a sex with a set list yeah say this is what I'm going to do now this is what I'm going to do now it's so. Um, I don't know where artists got this thing that they had to have a set list. I don't know whoever told them they had to. Maybe they can't remember some things, you know? Yeah. or maybe, I'm not really sure, but um, <clears throat> it seems uh, simple to me. It's, and now, you know, it's even worse as they're carrying books out and reading their lyrics, which is intolerable to me. Yeah. And, and it's like, uh, how lazy are we going to get, guys? How, how far are we going to go with this? So I really think... Uh, it, I've just really come upon this thing in the last few years of my life that there's a source, I don't know what it is. There's a source where cuz magic happens, you know. I have an idea and it comes through me and it comes out the end of my fingers and nobody can explain how that happens, including me. Really? Yeah, how can you explain that you have an idea and it comes out your fingers and you can write it down? How weird right, right. How weird is that? Think about how weird that is.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You
0: can't dis- you can't uh you can't draw the mechanism. You can't, uh, you, you can't lay out the, the PCB board. You can't, you can't figure out how this happens, how an idea turns into
1: this. Right, right, right. Right? There's no explanation. Yeah. You take it for granted because it's in your you, it's your. you that's doing it. But, 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 but f- yeah, if you, th- if you take yourself out of, out of it for a second. Think about how it, weird yeah. that is. Yeah, exactly. Think about
0: if I fed something into the top of this bottle and it came out as this on the bottom. You, we'd have to design it and figure it out and it'd be predictable. Mm-hmm. This is unpredictable. And even as I write it, if I spell something wrong, it might be a different word. It's a better word. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Or if I write it with the other hand, it's something else. And when, so when you start tapping into this, and I was really young when I started writing. So I was 10 or 12 years old. And you start tapping into this and start realizing this is coming from somewhere and I don't have any idea where it is or what it is. Some people would call it God. I don't do any of that. I just think there is a source. I felt very young that I was being watched. I really did when I was young I thought somebody 's watching me, and I always think now that was the source, and I always think it was analyzing me to see if I had the goods to to do this yeah, yeah. and consequently, because i I think I gave it its due because i 'm a little fanatical yeah 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 uh you know i 've written probably a thousand songs, you know I can paint you know i 've probably painted three or four hundred pictures in my life,
1: yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. And
0: I can write three or four songs in a night. I can paint four pictures in a night. If I get on a bend, I can write thirty songs a month.
1: It just kind of like just, you know. and it's
0: part of it is because I think I I did I I just said okay I'll do whatever uh, whatever I'll just write it
1: down. You're I just care. open
0: to it. Right? Open open open. I don't care what I don't care if it's rock and roll or blues or whatever I don't care what it is. I'll just write it down. I'll just do this. I'll just do whatever. And when I when I, the more I did that the less business became important and the more it's just this big bright light happens all the time. And when I let it go, when I find the time to do that, it's pretty crazy.
1: Do you make yourself write, Or do you just, I write
0: all the time.
1: You just almost
0: every day I write and uh, I have just finished a book of poetry, uh, short stories, poetry. And uh, um, I'm just, you know, always doing it, but I'm always, I'm not sitting in the Starbucks I'm not filling out government grants. I'm not doing I'm not wearing the beret and talking the talk. I'm in my little place doing the work as much as I can. Yeah. And and uh, it's crazy. Like it really is crazy. But and, but you're not forcing yourself to do it. It you just do. Well, it. I don't have to force myself anymore. I did when I was younger. Oh, I had okay. to force myself to learn the craft, to learn how to not the craft but learn how to do it, you know, yeah, learn, yeah. learn how to do it. Because and then job. once I, I learned how to do it, and then I got better at it. And then I became an expert at it. Yeah. Like, like, and an expert doesn't mean I'm the best. It just means if I had, uh, put hardwood flooring in for 30 years, I'd be an expert flooring guy. Yeah. Well, I've been writing songs for 45 years. I'm an expert songwriter. It doesn't mean I'm the best songwriter. No, no. The best songwriter has the most, uh, soul. Do you know what I mean? Has yeah, the yeah. most, but, but. As a, as a guy who can write a song, I'm an expert. I can I can take my place at the table with experts. I could go to the expert songwriter convention if there was
1: one yeah. and take
0: my place. You know.
1: So like um, that that uh, kind of brings me to one of my questions. Like you, you're Dutch. Um, you were uh, Dutch from a du- big Dutch family, nine right, kids, right? Right. Right. So um, I would imagine that uh, no being a Dutchman myself and uh, coming from a big family. There was no music lessons in your childhood. Is that uh, that's fair? right? My, I
0: mean, there was music because we, we were church. You know, it was church. Oh, okay. there was lots, of, lots of singing. My father was a great singer. Um, my mother was not a good singer, but she wanted to be a singer. And lots of passion in my family. My sisters played. There was a lot of passion. we were really passionate people. You know, really passionate.
1: So you were. So it was a, it was a musical household then. Well,
0: it was musical in the fact that my my um, my brother who was four or five years older than I am, and my sister who's a couple years older than me, we brought home records and played them for each other and sat around that turntable and just listened and talked about it all. And they were very into it. They were into it. We were just into it. It was rock and roll. It was the time, mm-hmm. you know, it was like, like after the gold rush just came out, you know I mean? Yeah. It's like, I remember when all those records came out were and we were wide open to a lot of things in those days. And, uh, it just sort of was with them, but it wasn't, it was discouraged by my family because of religion, of course.
1: Right. Well, what made you, what made you get on the train? I
0: said Elvis. I was 10 years old and uh, coming out of the barn and it was freezing cold. And we just got a television that day and there's Elvis in Hawaii, you know, that movie Elvis in Hawaii. And he's like, Got these beautiful women around him, and he's singing, and it's warm, and I'm frozen, I'm in the <laughs> barn, and I'm dirty, and I'm, you know, I'm a miserable child. And I go, I'm gonna do what that guy does, because when you do that, you get those girls, and you get to be in the sun. That's what I thought, and I thought he yeah. wrote his own songs. So that night, I wrote three songs, and I haven't quit since.
1: And and what, but the, to get on the train and go out west. Oh, that train. Oh, yeah. that,
0: I think you meant the train, the no, rock and but roll train.
1: Oh, to get on that train, that was. Uh,
0: Things were really tough at home uh, uh, there was uh, money was there was no money we were, We were just poor, poor, poor. My mother had psychological issues out of the yin yang you know um, uh, my mother had twenty five shock treatments before I was twelve years old oh, you okay. know like really wild stuff and so uh by the time I was 15, four, 13, I was trying to leave she wouldn 't let me they wouldn 't let me fourteen I went and they got me and then uh, when I was fifteen. I got off the school bus with a pack and stuck up my thumb and hitchhiked to Sudbury and caught a freight, right, and started hopping freights and hitching, and I did that for the next four years off and on as much
1: as I could. And where did you end up, or did you just? I just kept going everywhere. Just kept I just, going.
0: I'd come home, get back out. I'd leave after two weeks, or come home for eight months, work, go back out. I stayed out till I was about. I think the last time I left, I was in my early twenties, and it was really bad by then. You could hardly get a ride, and they were, you know, when you're 16 and they catch you on the freight, so they just throw you off. When you're 21, they throw you in jail. Yeah. So yeah. it got a little weird, and so, and I realized that the day was over. They, there was there wasn't much tolerance anymore for us guys.
1: Right, right. When right. I was
0: 16, there was there was hippies hippies yeah. You know what I mean? And when they went home, there was just a bunch of us left over, and it was still good. But then it got really, it got nasty. You got beat up. Pervs were everywhere. Nah, it got yeah, weird, yeah. It got weird. You know.
1: Do you do you pick up hitchhikers today? I picked up one the other night at
0: uh, 1:30 and 12, 12 o'clock at night, twelve thirty. I picked one coming out of Port Rowan in my bus the other night. Oh yeah. Yeah. Some guy had a fight with his girlfriend. He was going back to Dover, and I gave <laughs> him a ride home. He was a nice guy too. But uh, I do. I, I look him over. You know, the first yeah. thing they do is you get in your car and they light up a cigarette. Mm-hmm. It was we had a, we had rules when I was when I was a kid. We had rules about about hitchhiking. There was just this way you behaved. Yeah. Same with hopping freights. We had all these rules, and now those rules are,
1: they're not the same, you know. Yeah, you I know? picked up a hitchhiker a couple of weeks ago too. And how was it? It was the same thing. You looked at the per, the, the person, right. and you just knew it wasn't. Yeah, this person had some had. It was a young uh, kid, as it right. turned out, like maybe. Uh, 13, 14 right, right, years old. Right. Soaking wet, cold.
0: Yeah, you're always going to pick that guy. It's just you know, there's a lot of, and I don't even mind picking up a guy who's in trouble. It's just there's this sort of line where you go, I, don't, I, don't, I just don't want to be around you. Mm-hmm. You know, they get in the car and they're just cussing and, and they're, they're gross and they you know, just don't even want to hear what they're saying, you know. Yeah, but yeah. I get a, lot, a few of those guys and I feel bad for them, but I don't want, I don't want them in my car, you know. Yeah. And I'm not worried about my safety or
1: anything. Yeah, yeah. I'm
0: just, and, you know, lots of times I take guys way out of my way. I take them home, you
1: know. Yeah, that's, what I, that's yeah. what I did too. Yeah. Well, I thought of when this, this particular kid, I thought, well, they don't have probably the, the advice, the, any good advice coming from their home. By yeah. the sounds of it, what the kid was saying yeah, to me. Yeah, yeah. So I thought, well, the extra drive might be okay for me to just give him, give, a, give him a little bump. A little him, bump, yeah. yeah, yeah just yeah. tell him it's not so bad, you yeah. know. And we, as much as we can, we are
0: always like in the states where there's always those guys in the corners. We're always handing money out out of our bus. We're always giving them fives and tens and twenties. You know, we help homeless people as much as we can. Right. You know, when we're on the road, we just do that. But you know, there's, there's, it's, I said just here today. I said there's more hitchhikers than we've seen. I've seen more hitchhikers in the last two months than I think I've seen in the last two years.
1: Is that right? Yeah, yeah. around here. Yeah, yeah. There is a lot of hitchhikers again. Do you find around like you're you're a local guy now? Sort of, yeah. Sort of like you're yeah. uh rooted here or, yeah, or you yeah, have and yeah. uh, so do you find that this particular area this part of the country is I know some people have said it's like a generation behind almost. Like it's uh, like it's a little bit stuck in a...
0: Well, you know, it's really funny that everywhere you go in North America, they always think that they're unique from another place. And it's really funny, wherever I go in North America, they go, you sound like you're just from here. <laughs> and I'm talking about Kentucky or North Carolina or even Florida or Texas. They say, you sound like you're from here. And, and it's... I think that... Uh, people take this thing on about themselves that's not entirely true. I think there's differences between people, but it's not necessary. Like where I came from in Kester Center, there was a really really american accent there that's really funny they say like i got him and i held him down and i washed him yeah, that's yeah. what they would talk like that you know i got him and i held him down and and when i uh, came out of that thing people say well, where are you from the states and you and i never even knew there was this accent and when i brought my friends back there, they went oh that's how you talk you know port dover has an accent if you if you talk to some of the old port dover guys you can hear this accent yeah. there's this there's this stuff that goes on in communities definitely but i don't think everyone's as unique as they think they
1: yeah, you're probably right. You know? I've got that, too, uh, from, since I've done the show, that people have said uh, that we have an accent. And, uh, well,
0: we have a Canadian accent, for sure.
1: Yeah, we but are, these were Canadians that were saying.
0: Yeah, well, you know, we have, there's definitely a Southern Ontario accent. There is a Southern Ontario accent. Yeah. And there's a Northern Ontario accent. And there's an East Coast accent. And, and there's what, a Toronto the, accent. Toronto accent. No, there's, there's lots of accents. There's yeah. lots of accents. But really, at the end of the day, we're, everyone's not as different as they think they are. Right. You know, And don't forget, Toronto has moved everywhere now.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, they yeah, really have. Yeah, They've yeah. moved everywhere. Yeah. So I, I just want to get back. I was kind of on a point there, and I got lost. But okay. the, I wanted to talk. You were talking about uh, being an expert songwriter. Right. And uh,
0: and, and, and again, I want to reiterate, that's not an egotistical thing. No, I You know what I mean? That's just a thing of saying, I know how to write a song.
1: Yeah, there's a 10,000-hour rule. Right, and like, I've got
0: way, I got way more than that in. Yeah. <laughs> way, way
1: more than that in. So I was thinking about your first album, your first album that you did when you're were, you were 22, when you released that album, and uh, and can you listen to that album now? Can you go back? I never
0: listen to any of my
1: albums. You don't?
0: I mean, once in a while I will put one on, but I but not for long. I'm, I don't listen to myself very much. Do you play the stuff from your early? I play. I play. I could still play uh, maybe one or two songs off my first record. I could play. Uh, Two or three songs off my second record, a lot of songs off my third record, and then after that, I could play almost the
1: whole record. So, so that's about the, t- the amount of time before you became proficient. Where you also, I was
0: to- caught in an era. You know, there was a, there was a time in the early '80s, late '70s, when uh, you know I was playing roots music in those days. They call it folk music in those days, but 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 uh, uh, there was they call it the Dan Hill intrusion. <laughs> and we were putting horns and strings on our records. Sort of that time, mm-hmm. folk music was trying to get groovy, you know, James Taylor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I got caught up in that, so my first record sort of got that on. It's a little, It's a little. Uh, I mean, I forgive myself because I was a kid. But uh, uh, I sort of got caught, caught in the era. And after, I didn't get caught up in the era much after that. After the third album, I, wa- I was just doing what I did. I wasn't being influenced by Outside too much.
1: Oh, okay. So it's like you found your own voice. Yeah, I
0: found my own voice, sort of to a degree. I found my voice much, but I really found, you know, I was playing songs from Southern Ontario. I was there was no doubt about it. That's what I did. That's what I did well, and I just did it. Right. I just said that's what I'm doing.
1: You know. Yeah, that's who you are. Mm -hmm. And um, where am I here? So the uh, the other thing I I want to touch on a few things. One number because you're eclectic, uh, as I talked about that too. Um, and then you talked about all the different things that you're into and that you do. Uh, sorry about that. And then uh, I would say, if I'm not a doctor, obviously, but I have, uh, I would say by looking at, by listening to you and by listening to your music, especially, if you were born in the '90s, if you were probably born in the '90s and they put you through the school system, they would probably have identified you with ADD or something right, of the right, like, right? No, yeah, I couldn't.
0: Uh, uh, once I started writing songs, I never uh, really passed another grade, and that was I started in fifth grade so after that i just i just really didn't do school i mean they they moved me along sometime after a while but but uh yeah just really by the time i was in ninth grade tenth grade they just said
1: you got to go home but you're lucky you were born in the area that you were because otherwise they'd medicate the yeah they would have medicated me i
0: mean they 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 still were they really messed with us in those
1: days they still oh yeah
0: because there's a stigma attached to not passing and you know they were they were all bullshitting us anyway those that school system was so full of baloney you know but
1: you can't say you didn't get an education but like you got an education you just got your own right
0: well i you know i built a house when i was 23 i, I bought a check and i turned it into a house that's where i learned mathematics and i learned all my mathematics in reverse i go i have to make that uh angle go from the top of that wall to that peak and that's 21 feet and it's four feet at the peak so i have to figure out how many feet it has to go up per foot you know and yeah. i and i would rever- i would re- i reversed engineer that entire house it took forever to build because of this right. but uh by the time i was done that i knew mathematics and then and then uh, i had to figure out very quickly what percentages were because i was Deal every night I was playing shows, and they're going you're getting eighty percent, you get sixty percent they're taking ten percent of your merchandise to I figured percentages out really fast and yeah. then I figured out gross profits and I figured out margins and I figured out I just eventually figured out business. To the nth degree,
1: and, that's an and I had
0: some businesses along the way that I started to support my music business. Yeah. You know, some of them became pretty big businesses. You know, yeah. and uh, and uh, I learned all this. I just kept learning business because I had to run this. I learned business, so I didn't have to do it very much. You know, the more, the more you learn about something, the less you really have to do it.
1: Right, right. But it's hard to say. It's hard to look at that like that. I don't. I don't want to tell people tell your kids to not go to school or anything. But it's hard to think if you would have been dedicated to your schooling. Instead of taking the route that you did, being kind of like open to what you were supposed to do or what, what drove you as a person. Oh, I'm not an advocate of school.
0: Yeah. I'm I, not an advocate of the, of the public education system. I'm not a, I could care less about it. Yeah. What? 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 Your education's bad. I, I go down to the bar and see all my f- my school teacher friends who are drunk every night, and then going into school. My friend, you know, they get the DUIs and they get off because they're school teachers. Uh, uh, come on. I know. You know, they got a metal detector at school. I, if I, you know, I, I, I'm not I'm not 10 years away from having grandkids, and I've told my kids, I said, I, I don't care if you would never send your k- kids to the, the, in this education system. Yeah. Look, at, look what we get. And you know, I would like to raise kids who were really smart, mm-hmm. you know, really smart. And uh, one, of, one of the great teachers in this world, his name is Osho. I don't know if you know who Osho is. He's a spiritual teacher from India. And, you know, I was telling somebody this today or yesterday, we should facilitate children, not uh, direct them. So kids already know what they're good at. I did. I knew what I wanted. I knew everything. They just wouldn't let me do it. Yeah, yeah. But I would have been, and with Osho, they just let him go. He was raised by his grandparents and they just let him sit by the creek. And he became this amazing spiritual teacher, like out of hand, amazing. You know, he wrote, he wrote 19 volumes of the book of secrets, you know, like, like just heavy duty, deep stuff. But he was, you know, the Buddha was let go, right? He was let go. And, you know, uh, imagine what kind of, uh, individualistic thinking we would have if we just let some kids go. Yeah, yeah. And said, you know what? We're not going to teach you math. Let's build this house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's build this house. This is your math course for your li- for life. This is yeah. going to be the math. This is your math course. It's going to take four years to do. This is it. This yeah. is the only math you're going to learn. By t- that ki- the time that kid was uh, in ninth grade, he would know all the math he had to learn other than the really involved stuff, and he could go on and learn it if he wanted. But I just think if we could facilitate children, if we could just say, you know what? I have a hunch that kid uh, No. It's really funny that my... Uh, my right, I have a, I'm not a, a right winger or a left winger, you know, but mm-hmm. I'm really interested in it. I'm interested in what makes that, Yes, know? yes. And, uh, my right wing Christian friends, uh, are so into regiment. Yeah. You know, they're believing this, they're sort of believing in, uh, God, they can't see a Jesus, uh, you know, that, that's, yeah, yeah. this all requires a lot of faith.
1: Yes, yes. Yes.
0: Right. But they have no, uh, they will not allow anything out of the box. As far as education goes,
1: you know, it's really yes. weird to me. Oh, I, I think so too. I can never understand. And well, it's more of an issue in the States, but the, the uh, whole church versus state thing. And the, you know, the, the, the don't teach evolution and that sort of thing. Like, I don't understand why one has to be exclusive of the other, you know? Well, you know, I'm a,
0: I'm a student of Zen Buddhism. I've been one for many, many, many years. I've been following Zen Buddhism. And, you know, I spent a month once trying not to believe in gravity. So <laughs> exercise. Try not. Let I me mean, try it. It's fant- It's a, it, it will make your head turn, because you know gravity is just a theory, right? Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, it's just like we're, Like I could see you looking at me. Like, are you kidding? Don't believe no, in I'm gravity. i wrap my head right, about it. Yeah. right. Because we all, we all do the same thing. We all do the same thing as somebody believes in religion or something. We go, "Are you an idiot?" But then, then we believe in everything else they've told us. Try not believing in molecules.
1: Right, right. Just
0: try it and see after a month what it does to your brain where you go, okay, this heats up and this heats up and it's not molecules. So what is it? And you'll spend a long time staring into space, like trying to stop your head from exploding. (laughs) And all you're doing is disputing a theory, right? And we're so ingrained and so embedded with it. I'm not saying there isn't molecules or there isn't gravity. I'm saying just try not to believe in it. And people get mad at me
1: when I talk to them about this because it hurts them. You know, it hurts them. But it's, it's an incredible exercise. Unfortunately, there goes my night's sleep. I'm going to be, to <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be wrapping my head well, around. Well, and
0: you know what this does? This allows you to write songs. This allows your, your mind to say, if I don't believe in gravity, what takes the space of that? What if there's a push? What if something's pushing from up instead of pulling from down? You start doing all
1: this. Next thing you know, you're very creative. Right, right, right. Yeah, uh, you just let things enter your brain. Like You just let, right. let the possibility right. exist, right? Right, right. And so uh,
0: it's, it's, it's not unlike meditation where you just stop your mind from thinking. This is really like a, uh, just turning your brain upside down so it something else can go in it. But, you know, our, our minds are full of uh, stuff that's been pushed there. it's been placed there and we think you know we who think we're a little awake or a little enlightened we think oh we've we we got this down no we don't we just got we just got other stuff
1: right right Right? yeah yeah i i don't think any i've never met anyone yet that's got it figured out no it's not and you know i don't think we figure it out but i think there's a thing where
0: uh you, you can go at least i can control my mind a little bit
1: yeah you know what I
0: mean it's not just this wild thing full of thoughts that aren't my own.
1: Right right right. Right. Yeah, that's the that's the big thing about education to a certain point you're just taking other people's ideas and regurgitating them. Well or
0: or or now or now, you know they don't even have to be good teachers. They don't even have to be intelligent teachers. They just can be, you know, all my friends who are going to be filmmakers are teachers now. Yeah. So they're, they're just gruntled. They didn't feel their, they didn't even reach their dream. You know, and my friends tell me, they go, how did film school work out? Well, as soon as I got out, I, bec- I got my uh, teacher certificate. I go, well, I didn't ever heard you say before you wanted to be a teacher, no, it's, but now uh, they're teachers. Yeah, I know. They, a teacher to me is like a, a special place in this world. It should be a really like, uh, really tested. You should really be tested for a whole bunch of different tests, not just if you can pass that exam. Can you pass this exam? Can you pass a spiritual exam? Can you pass a compassionate exam? You know, because you're a teacher. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're able. Yeah, um,
1: it's a, it's. You can really tell. I got two kids in the education system right now, and you, and you can tell the ones that are there because they want to be a yeah, teacher, and yeah. the ones that were there because they didn't couldn't figure out what else to do.
0: Right, or the ones you can't even get rid of when they're. W- w- you know, oh, you can't
1: get rid of anybody. Well,
0: you know, this is just wrong. Yeah. This is just wrong, and it's this real, um, real self-centeredness out there. It was a lot different than, uh, than, than there was. A, when I was a kid, there was this humility going on with my parents, even though they weren't necessarily good parents. They had some humility. Well, they would give up things for the neighbors. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? They would sort of relinquish something. And now it's,
1: you know. Yeah, everyone's digging their heels in, everybody's... My uh, father used to say this... My father
0: said this great thing all the time. He said, you know... He said, these neighbors, they fight over the fence line. He says, "And whether it's six inches or, or, or even two feet. He says, and after the fence is built... They never go near that fence again," he said. So they didn't fight for anything. He says they, he says it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean anything. But they will fight for years over the six inches that they will never visit. Yeah, and you know that was the digging in, the digging in over nothing. Yeah, digging in over nothing.
1: Yeah, and if they would just be more open, they wouldn't even need a fence.
0: Well, (laughs) yeah, yeah, or or just say, you know, who cares? Who cares? Who cares where the line is? Let's just share the line. Yeah, can't do it. Yeah. you know and that's this is this thing of i don't know what this sort of started uh because i was there just at the end of the hippie thing which was sort of a fake let's all share let's all but they were trying and it was sort of a cool thing to see for a while you know i remember i was 15 when i was out there and there were real hippies and they would give you a sandwich mm-hmm. they'd give you their last piece of bread i mean i remember it it was sort of we were trying we were trying something yeah and it really backfired
1: What's yeah. nice now about the internet that I like about it, This is and kind of when I got out of my my banking stuff right, and, I, right. and, and, and I, I looked at the internet because I thought, well, there's a possibility. I, don't, I haven't been paying attention to it, so I was going to pay more attention to it. What I like about it is that there's all these people are on there and you don't hear the corporate take. You don't hear the... The monetized version of it or the, you know, uh, you hear people that are saying what they think is right and wrong for the most part. Sometimes it's not always complimentary, but it it, it is at least for the most part, there's a lot of honest stuff out there and a lot of people trying to do good. And as a, to have regular people who have good intentions, have a collective voice to go against big governments and big companies Uh, and stuff like that.
0: Right. That's right. It's a global village. Yeah. It's a global village. I love that too. But I do think it's really given... Uh, A lot of people who aren't very uh, intelligent and just have a lot of time on their hands, Mm -hmm. it's given them a voice that I'm not sure we need to hear that voice as often or as loud. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) Yeah, you're exactly right. You know, I'm saying they should have a voice, but I think more and more they're prevalent on the internet because they have time
1: yeah I agree. Uh, it's unfortunate that a lot of that it's, it's muted amongst all the other, all the other chatter that's out there and the trolls and the the, the people that are just trying to
0: manipulate know. it. You know the internet's yeah. manipulated. we can't fool ourselves you know but but it's, this is a uh, – there's a lot of dumb in the world right now. There's a lot of dumb. you know I was there, and I remember when when intelligence was celebrated. It was a fun time to be alive when when I remember sitting in 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 coffee houses and again, I was a kid this was i was this i 'm not saying it was better when I, it was my generation it wasn 't my generation. I was a kid. I was the youngest one there lots of times, but I would watch, and the coffee house would be dead quiet, and guys would be singing, and people would just stop them and ask them real questions yeah, yeah. real not like You know, are you going to be in Tilsonburg next week? They'd ask them real questions like, you know that song you wrote? Is that about this or this? And it was like the whole room would be quiet.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know? Intellectual curiosity. Well,
0: it was a a great thing. (laughs) You know, the first rock and roll thing i ever visited was in dunville high school my mother was taking me to church meeting and i ducked out because there was these long hairs playing music on the floor with electric guitars in the gym or wherever in the classroom and i went in and they played and it was like really exciting because it was new. It was like, this was like 65 or 68 or something. I was, I was not 12 years old, you know, I was 10 years old or something. And I remember seeing it, but I remember they all sat down and talked about it afterwards. they were talking about rock and roll, and it was a serious discussion with about 40 kids, maybe, you know, a serious discussion high school kids, yeah, yeah talking. It was like like, "Whoa, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. And uh, I missed that time a little bit.
1: I think this. it still exists. I do. I I maybe I'm an optimist, but I believe that it still exists. I just don't think that I don't think it's celebrated. Like I don't think I think that the those kids that are out there, they they still are there, but they're just Hidden amongst all the garbage. Well, you know, the kids are bitter. Kids are bitter now. Because kids really, uh,
0: uh, you know, there's revolution everywhere. There's lots of revolution. They're not. My daughter lives in Toronto right now. She's telling me there's little mini revolutions in Toronto that never make the news. She sees them. Yeah. She sees them. She said I was down there and there's 20 kids doing this thing. And and you know what? Uh, the re- and it's all over the world. China has these ones and everything. And they're f- and you know what it is? Is you got it all. You guys got it all, and you didn't leave us anything. And, yeah. And it's it's a. Uh, regular theme with them yeah, <laughs> uh, but yeah. i'm not sure if they're sitting down i think they're this is their theme not so much of i think in the 60s they went we have everything but now we didn't get knowledge you know
1: yeah, yeah.
0: M- you know my mother was in the house cooking and my dad went to the factory job but we didn't we weren't really taught to ask questions i think these kids are going never mind the questions <laughs> where i need to make a living
1: oh uh, yeah, yeah you know i yeah. need to
0: make and i think that's a priority a little bit more than sitting down having the big discussion but i could be wrong you might be right.
1: Well, I don't know. I mean I think I think you're right too. I mean, I don't think there's neither one of us are probably 100%. Right, right, right. But the I my point is that I think that uh, the the I the people are there like the same it's like people talk about the music business. They say like the music today's garbage, you know? Yeah. And the, and uh there, there is a lot of garbage out there. There's no there's great music. There's great music. But there's there's great always music. great music. You know that
0: they've been saying that for. You know,
1: they always say the music when I
0: was younger was better. You know, I will say this: that I was raised uh, as a kid in the '60s. And that was an amazing time for music. I'll say this as well. The twenties with jazz was an amazing time. And the thirties with jazz was an amazing time for music. There are less amazing times. The nineties was a great time for music, right? The nineties was fantastic. You know, it was one of those decades, Yeah, yeah. right? 2001 to 2011. Not so good, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. you know, and, you know, and, and I was never an eighties guy, but there are people who tell you how great the eighties were. And they, they really felt it. They were. And I get yeah. why they think that. And I'll even go with that. You know, I'll even go. There are times. There are times when when I think it sh- it, goes, it pulses.
1: They say it usually goes with the with the economy. Like they say when the economy's weak, when they're in recessionary times, then music yeah. gets better. Like when people have a little bit of angst or have a little bit of a hardship or something yeah. to overcome, then the music becomes yeah. better. My my thing is it always changes on the beginning of a decade. Yeah?
0: Yeah, I sort of always believe that. Although I don't know if it changed much after 2011 but um you know if you go to sixty, sixty-one 61 to 63 jfk got killed it was rock and roll and it was uh, blowing in the wind all mm-hmm. of a sudden next day it was blowing in the wind it was folk music came out after jfk and then and then uh when we went to go through the 60s and the 70s we had that recession thing and all of a sudden the Bee Gees came We had disco just like that it went from folk music to sort of that thing you know in the 80s that music was new a new wave came yeah, along wave and, and got blown out of the water by uh metal yeah, blown yeah. out of the water and kurt cobain blew metal out of the water in six weeks yeah and yeah. these are all the beginning of decades if you if you yeah, look at the time it's always the beginning of decades in 2001 you know we had 9-11 and uh and we we got whatever we got now and it doesn't seem to change much i've been waiting for the change here although i think there's some better music than there was five years ago
1: now. yeah like I'd go, the, I'd put the white stripes in the 2000, like in that 2000. Right. Decade. It's not
0: like everything's bad. It's yeah. not like everything's bad, but, the, but there's a lot of bad, lot Yes. lot
1: of bad. I agree. I think it's so watered down. There's just a lot of content out there. And especially now when anybody like, look at what I'm doing. I'm just putting it out like a, yeah. a content out and you can put content out easy enough. Now yeah. you don't need anyone to see something in you to put content out. You can just do it yourself and promote Yeah. And some people shouldn't. Yeah, you're, you're right.
0: right. No, so this is this is the, the again. This is this part of the thing with this big ego generation, where everyone's sure that they can
1: do good, everything. They're good yeah.
0: enough. Yeah. You know, they're good enough, and and you know, it's a funny thing. Yeah, it's yeah. A funny thing.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where the end of that is, but I don't think we're going to see it. I think ever, that's just the way it's going to be going forward. I think that people just yeah.
0: I wonder too. I always yeah. wonder. You
1: know, you never know what does it. You wonder if good art will get lost though, because there's so much <clears throat> garbage. It's like what we were talking about before. Like how there's, there's good kids out there, but you yeah, can't yeah, see them amongst yeah, all the jerks. Uh,
2: you just want,
0: I, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I think about it all the time. I think about it all that. What, so where's it go? Yeah. Where's yeah. it lead? Where's it come back from? I don't know. I just don't know. It, it's really funny. T- Cause you know, I'm a sort of a traditional classic artist. Mm-hmm. You know, I paint, I, I write, I do all the stuff and, and, uh, I'm not as tech. Uh, technological as my friends are I'm not worried about technology I still record on tape you know and
1: uh is that done for the sound yeah, yeah. so it sounds better yeah yeah you know imagine that yeah. recording
0: on something that sounds better you know, a, yeah. you know what I you know I mean I still use oil I don't use um, synthetic I, I paint with oil and a trowel yeah, yeah. you know because it to me it looks better right, you right. know uh, and I really think uh that's the part that's driving me crazy is where people are using uh less uh, they're not making it sound as good. Yeah, yeah. Or, or look as good. Or it's just sort of, or tribute bands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, emulations of something.
1: It's convenient.
0: Yeah. It's convenient. Yeah, convenience is really dangerous, you know. It's really, really dangerous.
1: Yeah. And now, uh, they also say, uh, they say that, like, because um, music is math, that uh, there's an inf- there's, like, a finite number of combinations that you can make. And that that well, you know that could be the, that that
0: could be where digital gets burned because it's it's math. Digital's math, and that's you know the great thing about analog. Uh, there were mistakes that uh, there were no control over, and and that you don't even know what they were, you know, or what happens when you play something backward. You play it digitally, nothing, you know. Yeah. But when you play it the other, when you do analog backwards, you know, analog is sort of infinite because there's mistakes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And when there's mistakes, uh, then uh, you can leave some stuff to chance, and then it's not only you, right?
1: Right, right, right. Um, just to get back I, to the music stuff, I had a, que- I, a couple questions. I, I can't go. I can't go to the show without asking about Letterman because I'm. Sure. I'm, I think that's a pretty cool thing yeah. that you were able to do. Um, it was what 2010 when you were on Letterman. Yeah, I don't, know, that? I don't know. Was, H- how how did that problem. come about? That they.
0: Uh, you know, we got the call. We got the call, and uh,
1: so they just found you and called you. Uh,
0: you know, I have people out there working all the time. I have publicists and stuff working all the time, and you know, we're in the we're in the newspapers all the time in the states. And I know they glean the newspapers, or maybe my publicist got to them, or maybe you know, I know we were supposed to be on Letterman three or four different times, and it didn't happen. I mean, we've been hearing about it for four or five years. Oh, really? Yeah. And so maybe I had a publicist who got through. Right? Yeah, yeah. maybe I had a publicist who got through. We, I, I, mean, I mean, definitely, we, definitely, my publicist got the call. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, said we want Fred on Letterman. Uh, you know, it, it's really funny to me because that's such a big deal to people, and to me, it was just sort of like. Uh, well, yeah, this is what happens when you're out there. You know, we we got the call after we were on the show. We got the call from all these Canadian bands saying, "How do we get on David Letterman?" And and my manager, who is my ex wife, would say, "Well, uh, y- you start 42 years ago, and and your kids starve, and your family starves, and not, and you know that's how you get on." Yeah. You know, you know they just thought it was like there was there was like a combination. It's a lot. They thought it's a lottery.
1: They thought yeah, it was yeah.
0: a lottery or something. You know, people actually said to me, "Did you win a lottery?" You know, they couldn't believe like. <clears throat> that you would get it on merit.
1: Right, right. Right,
0: and here here I'd been touring for, you know, 30 years, solid. Solid (laughs) touring for 30 years, and people thought I won the lottery.
1: Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) it's pretty tough to take. Yeah, well, it's funny. It's sort of funny. Yeah, the overnight success. (laughs) The overnight success. Yeah, 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 (laughs) and
0: you know, the Canadians have a really hard time accepting that they're, until they do, and then they can do nothing wrong.
1: Right, right. Right, but
0: they have a really hard time accepting that their local guy could do this, you know.
1: Yeah, I think people think that if someone achieves some sort of uh, notability that, they've, that they have something in them that makes them… Canadians le- think this. Americans don't. Well, Amer- they don't?
0: Americans are so thrilled. Americans, Canadians always say this to me. They say, uh, you're not getting too big for us, are you, Fred? And yeah. Americans always say, I hope you don't ever have to come back here. I hope you do so well, you don't have to come back here.
1: You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. they want
0: you to do well. That's been my experience.
1: Where Canadians are afraid to lose you because they know… Well,
0: Canadians have this small town. You know, it's a small yeah. town. Canada's a small town. Yeah, it's a huge small town and, and, uh, everybody knows everything.
1: Yeah, you yeah. know,
0: when you're an artist in Canada, everybody knows everything about you. Other artists, do. you know, the business does. Right. Right. You know, and, uh, in America, it's not so much, you know, they're just, they're happy for, you, for your success. It's a, it's a cool thing.
1: And then same with the, with the, with the artists that covered your, your songs. Is that just from same thing? Like, same I, you know, I'll tell
0: you something really funny because my song has been pitched for years and years and years down there. And, uh, Toby had been pitched, Toby Keith had been pitched a song 10, 15, 10 years before it came out, seven years before it came out. Somebody, an agent had said, you're going to hear this guy, Freddie Gilsmith. I'm working with him right now. Listen to this song. And Toby, uh, I heard him in an interview one time, he said he had sat on that song for seven years. He loved it so much. And then he just put it on an album. And he'd been a big fan of mine for many years. Like I'm, I heard this through other people. So I was talking to Toby, he just said, have you ever heard this Freddie Gilsmith?" You know, so he was a big fan. And Miranda... I know they were pitching her songs, The pub, publishing was pitching her, and she said, I don't want any of those songs. I want that song he sings called Time to Get a Gun. So she had come to my show or something in Texas when she was a kid. she'd Or she knew about me through Texas radio or something. So she got on it. And, and Alan Jackson heard my song on a radio by another band and came into the studio and said, I heard this song today called Free Train. I wanna record the songs of my song. Yeah, so yeah. it was cool because all those were brought in by the artist. Yeah, and, and that's I, a really that's a compliment. unusual thing. it it drove uh <clears throat> it drove some of my friends in Nashville crazy because they've been pitching songs for years and years and years. They're seasoned Nashville veterans, and yeah. here I was up in Ontario not paying attention to it. And three walked through the door in a very short time, and they were like, "And they weren't co-writes; they were my songs, right, right. which was even more unheard of." So, you know, some of the big guys in Nashville told me, "I know them," you know, these well-established songwriters. They said,
1: "You know, this might be the last time this
0: happens to anyone."
1: Kind of lightning in a bottle. <laughs> yeah, kind of yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. You wrote a you're you wrote a uh, wilder wilder than her too, right. got it's a lesbian anthem, isn't it? Now, well, no, it was a, it was a big joke. It was a big joke.
0: A, a woman named Dar Williams in the nineties recorded that song, and she recorded it in the first person, so it sounded like. Uh, oh
2: yeah. And, and,
0: and the lesbians, you know, in Mass- Massachusetts at the time, they, they just embraced it, and it got to be a very popular song. I think it was the most played song in in northern Florida on the big radio station for four years straight. It was the most played song, and and you know, really good, right? Really yeah. good. But yeah, I've had. S- so many songs covered by so many people. It's un- it's unbelievable. That my, you like it? Well, that's what I sort of wanted to do. You know, in in, uh, in Zen we say you become what you think. And when I was a kid I thought I'm not going to be really a big famous guy, but I'm going to be respected and a lot of people are going to sing my songs. And I knew that at 15 years old. Uh, isn't that funny? Yeah, yeah. And that's what sort of happened to me. I'm the sort of, uh, you know, underground guy that, you know, I've had probably 100 covers. Yeah, yeah, you know, and you know, people say, "I saw your name on the movies yesterday. I saw your name on the credits of a television show," and I just go, "I don't even know. I didn't even know it was on. You know, I didn't know, even know that that show had it on or
1: something." You yeah, know? it's really great. You know, back in the uh, well, when I was a kid, or back in the old days, the older days, uh, if you were to uh, make a song and I got put on a commercial or put on a television show or something like that. You were seen as a sellout that, you know, I know that that's an interesting thing. And nowadays you have to, you know,
0: it's really funny to me because I've had, well, I remember when uh, the festival of friends in Hamilton put a Ford banner up and we were all so appalled Mm -hmm. and I still am a little bit about that. But, uh, I got a call not long ago from the milk marketing board of Canada, you know, yeah, yeah. looking for a song and, you know, it's still, the, I mean, they might use one of my songs and I thought about it for a long time. I thought, wow, I would, I probably wouldn't allow this to happen 30 years ago. And I really sort of thought about compromise for a long time. But, you know, I, I would I probably wouldn't let Visa use one of my songs. I probably wouldn't let a bank use one of my songs. I sang so many songs, anti-bank songs. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> I you know, I can't really say, yeah, go ahead, use my song in the bank
1: commercial. Yeah, yeah, You
0: know, there's lots of things I wouldn't probably let them use a song. Milk Marketing Board, I, I went...
1: It's in uh, keeping with it. Eh, it's
0: okay. You yeah. know, I don't... You know. But b- I could still have a little challenge with my... I could have a little night with myself thinking about that. Again, <laughs> you know, to really think about integrity. Because I... I I think the more you put in that integrity bank, the better your life gets. I mean, I think you get poor all the time, but I think the better your life gets. The, the integrity, you know, they, the, the integrity count. No one's paying attention to their integrity account anymore, you know. And it's so important that you keep something in it, you know, as much as you can. That's I, the one that should be full.
1: Yeah, I hear you, and, man. You know, <laughs> it's
0: hard. It's so hard. It's the hardest one, you know. It's, yeah. hard, it's harder than making a living. Having integrity is harder than than making a living.
1: No, oh, I agree. I have so many, so many friends that are at you know my age, and they're at that point now where they're so far into the golden handcuffs or whatever, they, yep. where that pension's yep. looming, and yep. they just realize they made a mistake, and they've given up all their hopes and dreams to be some right. sort of corporate puppet or something, right. and they don't see that they have a way out of it. And
0: well, I, you know, it's really funny because I still struggle because I have made so many hard choices in my life, like the Legion tours. These are not as lucrative as this other stuff, of course, but. And so I struggle, man, you know, we've been losing money for three or four months in a row. I got to free and find some cash. I got to do this thing. Yeah. I'm still doing that at 56 years old. <laughs> my friends are, my friends have no cash flow problems. You know yeah. what I mean? They have yeah. no other than, than dumb debt. Yeah. Right. But they got happiness issues. They got happiness <laughs> yeah. issues and they yeah. got life issues and they're, you know, a lot, uh, uh I've seen people I've known for a long time come to me at 45 and say, to me when they are 45 and say, I wish I'd done, I wish I'd done with my passion. Yeah. And you know, it's a, it's a double edged sword. Yeah. You know, it's a double edged sword. It's sort of funny to watch your friends live in nice houses and drive good cars and do all this stuff and sort of, uh, be unhappy, mm-hmm. but you go, well, it was your choice. Mm-hmm. Right. And they look at you and go, I wish, I wish, and I go, I don't know if you do wish. I don't think, I don't think, I think you wish from afar, but I don't think you really want my life.
1: Yeah, it, yeah, I don't know. I mean, they're so addicted to it. They're addicted to money, you know? Yeah, they're addicted know. to the comfort of it, eh? I know, and
0: it's, it's so false. It's yeah. just so false, you know? Uh, well, I've been really, really poor in my life. I had great times. Had great times, yeah. you know, sort of really great times. We were when we were living on in the traveling show f- three or four years ago. We were living out, you know, we were sleeping out, and we were we were camping out, and we were we were you know we had two two buses and a, and a baby on the road, and I think there was ten of us, eight of us, and we weren't there wasn't a lot of money, there wasn't a lot of money at all, and we were having a great time. I mean, we were having a great. Time. We're just yeah. staying in parks and staying on the side of the road, sleeping at the Walmart. And we were, it was like pretty incredible. Yeah, yeah. You know, It was pretty incredible to wake up in the parking lot of the Walmart and go, well, let's cook something out here.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know I
0: mean, it's pretty great.
1: Yeah. Well, I was saying, well, look, if we I got this house here. It's nice. But I hang out in my shed all the time because I'm just not. Yeah, comfortable yeah, with yeah, it, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'd, I'd much rather be in a parking lot.
0: Well, you know, that's what you really discover once you, you that you would, that you would, and it's a, you know, the the uh, the the status of a house or the symbol of a house is really weird to me these days. It's really weird because I, I, I haven't lived in a real house for many, many years. I've lived in. Masonic lodges, I lived at a shack on Port Dover on the water for 10 years, uh, right on the water, a shack, like a shack like with no insulation, and it, uh, sometimes I come home, there'd be an inch of ice on the floor that we would flood, I couldn't get out sometimes, and it was, everybody said this is the best property in Port Dover,
1: <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I had a
0: fire, I had to get out, but uh, uh, yeah, it's it's a funny thing, it's a funny thing, it's just a funny thing, the car, the house, the, the, the stuff, you know, it's a huge trap.
1: Yeah, it is actually. But yeah. everybody
0: knows it, but no, very few people do anything about it. I'll tell you who's doing something about it. My kids are my twenty, my my twenty-four year old, my twenty-six year old boy. He's doing something about it. You know, him and, him and his girlfriend both. I don't think they're working. They're just, you know, and just, they were they're trying to f- go back to the land, and you, you know, they they see it, I, and I, they, yeah. they have friends. They have friends. They go to parties, and their friends are all feeling that tug. So we might see something change. You know?
1: Yeah, I think I think the formula doesn't make sense to a lot of people anymore. Like they've seen. The cost and they've yeah. seen what it does yeah. to their parents and their, yeah. their you know, yeah. divorce and all the rest of it. You know,
0: a big theme I have, big theme in my life. I always talk about it and it's straight out of Zen. Liberation. Yeah, yeah. Liberation. We all just deserve to be liberated as free as we possibly can be. That is such a foreign uh, concept to a North American. Yeah, yeah. Liberation.
1: yeah. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, I think it is. You know, think yeah. of liberation. What's true, true liberation? Yeah, yeah. You know, true liberation <laughs> is being able, yeah, and that's, th- uh, yeah, I, I think it is. I try to get guests all the time on my podcast that are guys that just don't give a shit because they're the ones that right. I feel right. are the ones that, uh, right. you're going to get the most honest response yeah. from because they're not, they're not worried about their gig being right. blown up or, you know, right. or whatever. Right. And, uh, I think that they kind of get it. Those, that's what I'm drawn to. Those people yeah, that I can learn from. Yeah, that,
0: yeah, my favorite poet is Bukowski. You know, and Bukowski just wrote with no form. He just said, and he mocked form. He wrote. He mocked poets who wrote with form. Said, you know, and then, and then, interesting enough, my other kind of favorite poetry is Japanese haiku, which is so formulated, it's unbelievable. But there is this, there's this liberation that Bukowski has, where he just writes it down. Just write it down. And, and there's he, no and structure. he'd write every night. Just write every night. He'd write whatever he want. You know, if you slept with a woman, he'd say her name. and the, He didn't care. Just wrote it down. Yeah. Just write it down, write down. You know, for years and years, She I don't know how many books. 20, 25 books. Just write it down. Put right. it out. Edit it a little bit. Just put it out, put it out. He, you know, he's, my, he's a fantastic poet. And, right. you know, uh, no form. Yeah. No form. You try to live with no form.
1: Yeah, no. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I had a whole bunch of stuff, Fred, and do you have time? Because I didn't, I, I mean, we're going late, late, and it's gone so quick. And well, let's give it another fifteen. Okay. Right? Another fifteen. Do because uh, I, I, I didn't, uh, it's just such a nice conversation, actually. Oh, it's been you. easy as. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. In mind? there? Did you, did you mind?
1: Thank you. The one thing I wanted, I saw the, I saw deer, Johnny Deer last, last year. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, we got a gift for Christmas to, 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 to to see a, or a bunch of plays. And that was one of them. And, uh, actually I gotta be honest with you. I didn't think I'd like it because I don't like anybody. I generally don't like people who try to portray rural living because it makes us seem like all a bunch of yokels Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. that we, and I was really looking, I was really dreading going to it to think that you're going to be, I was going to be offended the whole time that you're making me seem like an idiot. And, uh. I ended up relating to a lot of those characters. I, they were a lot really familiar to me, and the music was good. So cool. well, I you really know, liked it.
0: I didn't. I liked the play a lot, and there were. But there were parts of it, and I've even talked to the playwright that it was a little more white trash than I, uh, than my work is. Right. Right. Do you um, what I mean yeah. my father didn't walk around the farm with a beer, and and uh, there wasn't. You know that came when we had to sell-off part of the farm and they moved from town, that's when that sort of existence came, that sort of white trash, drinking beer on the tractor. That didn't really go down on my farm. We worked hard. You know what I mean? We grew food and... We prayed before every meal and read the Bible after every... I didn't really live like that. But I wrote about that stuff later because all these people... When my father's farm got sold off in bits and pieces, all these people came out and they were crazy. You know, first they just put a string around their 12 acres to market like a dog and territory. And then they'd buy a Ford 9N and put a beer holder on it and drive around drunk, You know, yeah. they, you know, those guys. And they were very good subjects for songwriting, but sort of the playwright really took that... That was a big part that he used.
1: Did you think it was was it meant to be like somewhat a biographical about your history? Or? No, you know he played.
0: He was he was loose with it, and I, I mean he interviewed me. He asked me some things, and he interviewed. It wasn't about me, but it was sort of about you know. I talked about Zen. it talked about my philosophy. He was he was tapping into me. Um, while he was doing it and making an outside story. But my... You know, there was really funny. I had a reporter in Kitchener who'd followed me since I was a kid. And he said he didn't like the play. He wrote a bad review of it. And he said they didn't quite get it. And I talked to him a little while ago. I was doing another interview with him. And he said, you know, I didn't quite get it because I didn't really think they got the essence of the really hardcore stuff that you wrote. They sort of took that white trash era. That sort of time when you were writing about drinking people and, uh, you know, people in their pickup trucks crashing in the thing. And uh, it was interesting to me that he got it because I sort of had that going on. I sort of agree with you that I didn't want them to look – I didn't even want them to look as hicky as I thought they looked.
1: They already did, yeah. I thought
0: they did in that play a little bit.
1: Yeah, I was expecting more, like like more caricature-like of – Yeah, of they, a,
0: they didn't do that. Yeah. But they still uh, – you know, so sometimes I have this really uh, – this this hardcore thing I think about, and that is, in the 90s when I went to Nashville, I was singing songs about white trash and trailer parks, and it wasn't done in country music. It wasn't being done, and there was a bunch of us. There was a guy named Chris Knight, and there was, uh, there was a few of us singing these songs sort of about the edge of country, you know, where things weren't good, you know, where there were broken bottles every morning, and it wasn't long before mainstream country picked up on us and just took that thing and turned it into this horrible thing it is now. Mm-hmm. But we were... Th- and I sort of didn't mean for it to go there. I was doing this thing. I was sort of tongue-in-cheek poking fun of country a little bit. Mm-hmm. Of, you know, just... You know, had your
1: dog running away. Yeah,
0: yeah. It, I was yeah. just poking... And in turn, they took it and ran with the satire as if it was the real thing. Oh, yeah. And uh, to this day, I go, Oh, you guys, you missed, you missed the
1: point. Yeah. <laughs> you
0: know? And I thought the play sort of... Uh, Missed it a little bit on that end.
1: Yeah, yeah. But the music was good. Thanks, man. <laughs> like,
0: yeah, they were, all in all, I really liked the play, and I really thought the actors and actresses were great.
1: I thought they were really great. Yeah. You know? I ended up getting real upset watching it. Uh, like, I squirmed in my seat a little bit. It was, it was the whole infidelity part of it. I don't do well with it. <laughs> right, right. I get right. really mad at that See, that's
2: the See, <laughs>
0: that's the thing that I didn't really... That wasn't really in my world, that I wanted that to be... You know, I was much more uh, into the that hard time on the farm. Yeah, that's yeah. sort of my theme was. I, I that was my theme more than the infidelity. You know, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, that was never the crisis to me. The crisis was we're gonna lose the farm.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. I think people are starting to forget about that era in farming. Oh man, yeah, like oh, it's man. it's a yeah. Uh, yeah, like I'm, for me, I when I worked for Farm Credit Canada, so that I we could never get over the stigma of the '80s because that was. Yeah. It was a tough time, and Farm Credit had the majority of the loans yeah. because they were lenders of last resort at the time. And, and so we always lived under that, so we got to hear the stories forever and ever.
0: Well, you know, uh, <clears throat> that was an interesting time because I was, I was a pretty big fan of Pierre Trudeau. But he was horrible for farmers.
1: Yes, he was. He was yeah.
0: horrible for, and Eugene Whalen in that stupid hat. Yeah. Those guys, they were horrible for farming. And no one, I'm the only guy who will ever say this publicly,
1: that yeah. they were
0: horrible for farming. Farming went from being the uh, number two employer in Canada to number seven in that era. It, yeah. you know, and I watched them. I was at every auction sale of the neighbors. It was a terrible. Oh, it, was it was a terrible time. And, you know, really, I used to say, boy, when a factory closes, they all bitch. But when a hundred factories closed, they didn't say anything. Yeah, yeah, You know, a yeah, hundred yeah. little factories
1: closed. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I remember when I started, they said to me, uh, I was really concerned because I came, come from a farm background and, and I didn't want to, I, I knew of that era and I didn't want to be the guy that had to do that stuff. yeah, yeah I didn't yeah. think I'd be able to stomach it. So I remember talking to a really old banker at the time, like a guy that had been through it, you know, when I started. And I said to him, like, how do you do that? How do you go like sell a guy's farm? Like, I don't know how you can live with yourself. You know, like, I don't know yeah. if I. I think I'd quit before yeah, doing yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said, he said, you know what? He said, uh, during that time, if you were a man that treated people with uh, respect and 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 that you understood their situation, didn't blame them for it. You know, you just you tried to make save them as much of their equity as you could. And you treated them with dignity and respect and try to give them a better, make their life better by doing it. You were, you were generally well received. He said one time he went on, it was at Christmas. It was just after, just after Christmas and he had to get paperwork signed, the final paperwork signed to sell the guy's farm. And, uh, he was just dreading it because, you know, he knew it was okay. the holiday, holiday season. He was going into a little house in town. He had a knock on the door, and he's just thinking, oh, geez, I've just, you know, kicked these guys off their farm. The first time they've, let, they've been off the farm and, and for Christmas and just felt like how, how, he just was not looking forward to it. They opened the door. They were happy to see him. They invited him in for a coffee or whatever, and they said, you know what? This year, because we've been so worried about debt for the last five years yeah. that we never had any Christmas presents. Now we've been able to sell our farm. We actually have a little bit of money for Christmas presents. We don't owe anything on our house, and we've. This is the first time where we have had a, a decent Christmas, and they thanked them for it. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that may have been the exception, but it's nice. Well, to Well, and also, did they thank them two years later when
0: they got you? They went, oh my goodness, you know what I mean? Yeah you, yeah, know, yeah, you know what I mean? There's always that relief to get out of something, right? And yeah, yeah. Go, oh, my, you know. But they could have back. You know, they could have done. Some, they could have done something so easily, and it's so foreign to our government could have just sold them back the farm at 50 cents on
1: the dollar yeah there was a lot of debt written off during that period. yeah but you know they could and, have but, just yeah. said somebody bought that
0: farm at 50 cents or 40 cents on the dollar sell it to White. the guy who's who's farmed it for 20 years yeah. this is such a simple solution to me and yes are they going to fail again maybe maybe a few of them would but you know but but yeah. not not uh you know i i mm-hmm. always wonder if that just wasn't an orchestrated thing in those days because they they, they really were turning towards, Trudeau loved yuppies. He yeah. loved yuppie culture. Yeah. You know what he did? He was cool. He was loved cool. And yeah. it, everything got cool in those days. It was so, it got to be almost embarrassing to be a farmer in the 80s. Yeah. But it, 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 you know, it never did in Europe. Yeah. It never did in Europe. But it, it was like in, in America here, in North America, we're just like, oh, you're a farmer? Where it was the coolest thing to do in 1972 there ever was. Towards, Ten years later, it was like, oh, you're a farmer? You should be doing coke and yeah, yeah, yeah. Spike in your hair, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. I always wonder about how did Canada ever become that? We got all this farmland; we feed the world. How did we ever become this yuppie culture?
1: Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, and you look at some of the. Well, now I think we're kind of I almost at that again because the the people that are left into it are like their their farm values are doubled in the last two sure. years, and they sure their interest rates been low for so long. All it's going to take is like. Like rates to go up a couple percent, oh, no, and we're yeah, right back we're in the same situation.
0: And there's a real huge back to the land movement. It's just underground right now. You know this local thing, mm-hmm. although it's sort of tongue in cheek to me by local. You know, yeah. but uh, I get it, and it's really good for things because there is a huge. You know, we have we have uh, people coming around Port Dover, coming around Waterford, and coming every Wednesday selling their organic produce, which they're working for real to. And it's, it is a thing and people are aware of it.
1: Yeah. It's aware it's great. Yeah. And I I always talk to the farmers who used to scoff at it. They used to be like, ah, you know, like all these uh, hippies with their animal welfare and the organic bullshit and all that stuff. That's all just a load of crap. I'm saying you don't, it doesn't matter what you think as a, unfortunately, as a farmer, it doesn't matter what you think your marketplace that you're selling your product to, doesn't understand you at all, and you have to, you know, you gotta, yeah. you, you got to understand that's who you're catering to. If they don't want chickens to be on a cage shitting on yeah, the chicken yeah, below them, yeah. then mm. let the chickens run in the field and lay eggs because that's the only way you're going to sell it. But the, the, the catch is that those suburbanites have to pay for it, right. and right now they're not willing to do that.
0: Well, I think they are. I just think nobody's marketed to them properly. Just say, look, this, you, know, you, know, you know how to market lettuce? It's the same price as a chocolate bar. They go, oh, that can do that. Yeah, yeah. That's all you do. It's yeah. just done. You know, it's just it's just so many things. It's like unemployment. You know, I could employ Canada just like that. It's just stop self-serve gas.
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess it's so. Just does, yeah. Yeah. But Fools, you'd have to find people that are willing to pump gas.
0: Listen, people <laughs> will pump gas when they're, when they're really broke. You yeah. know what I mean? When they're really broke, they'll pump gas. It's just like It's just like there's lots of solutions. It's just they don't. It's just sort of... You know, I was at a farm conference a year and a half ago playing it. Actually, I got flown into London from... I was out west, and they flew me in to play this conference in the middle of a tour solo, and I didn't know what kind of conference it was, and I was playing my little farm songs about people losing the farm and everything. And finally, the woman who hired me said, I don't know if you realize, but all these guys own 10,000 acres. Like, these are really rich farmers. These are really... These are the guys, right? who bought all the farms and did all that. Anyway, after I'd done the show, which they liked okay... Uh, they all sat, they sat down and they were having the, you know what they all talked about? Organic farming. One guy said, I'm from, uh, you know, Wisconsin. I got 3,000 acres of uh, organic beans. <laughs> like they were really, ta- all they were talking about was, and not disdainfully, they were talking about how they were doing it. And you know what? I really got a lot of hope for that because hippie guy working in Boston growing up, he's going to get tired. Yeah, yeah, He's going to quit. But those guys are feeding the world. They're feeding us through, through the department store. And I was going, this, this is, really gave me a lot of
1: hope. Yeah, I just see the organic guys around here. They've, they're the same type of guys. Like the big big guys, right, right. big units. But they, they get to the point where they're, they're not getting paid anymore for it. Yeah. And it costs them more to grow it. And then they're like, well, if you're not going to pay me, then I, I'm not growing You
0: know, they're just not marketing it.
1: I, I know. I, I'm, I mean, we, all, we know this. We live in this co- I live in an art
0: culture. I'm an artist. I, and they will pay. They will pay because nobody's married that yeah. they will pay, you know, well, they, I know that you got to make it easy to get, Yeah. right. You got to make it easy to get. It's like when I go to the g- grocery store, the first place I go is organic and I never look at the price because I'm very concerned about my health.
1: Right. right I right. never look at the price. Unfortunately,
0: the, org- the large department store makes sure that the produce of the organic section is stale and old. They make sure that they, d- they, they do it. I'm, I'm sure they do it on purpose.
1: Well, uh, yeah. And that, and then the, sometimes you get it cheaper there in the organic aisle i've noticed
0: right well i, I noticed that the celery gets brown quicker and the broccoli they leave it there they take the other the, the the commercial stuff they take out right away but i noticed that they leave that stuff laying around longer and i think it's because they don't really want it to happen i think their margins are going to be smaller
1: oh yeah mm-hmm. well I, I wouldn't put that past i would believe that for sure
0: they got to have it we're demanding it so they're bringing it in but the margins are small that's what i think
1: yeah so Fred, I just gotta tell you, yes. this has been better than I could ever. I had a dream last night that we did this exact same thing. I woke up in a flop sweat because it bombed so badly. Like I never, we you hated this show in my dream last night. So this is a this is a a, a lot better than I could have ever imagined. I really do appreciate you do you coming in right. and and any other time you want to come by and have okay. a chat, I'd be happy okay. to have you. Well, you know. Uh...
0: A lot. When I first started going to America, I ended up in all these little garages and barns and trailers. And they were radio stations. Because uh, in America, they're allowed to have all these little radio stations. Half a watt. Oh, yeah? Half a watt. And I, that's how I, I really, in Texas, I went to Texas one time. I didn't have any gigs. I just went and played all these little radio stations. Sometimes we'd have to leave a guy outside the trailer because we couldn't all fit in playing around the one mic. Oh, yeah? And this, to me, is what it's supposed to be. You know what I mean? It's supposed to be in garages. This is what we were doing when we started this movement. Yeah. It's supposed to be in garages and barns and not in, you know, I, I, I was at a radio station three weeks ago, and I had to go up six stories.
1: And, yeah. You know,
0: it was a Rogers radio station, you know? Yeah, yeah. This is what, I believe in this stuff. I believe if more guys did this in their back garage, we could get it back. We could get the revolution back.
1: I think so, you too. Know,
0: you know, I'm, I'm, I think it's great. I think it's great what you're doing.
1: Oh, awesome, Fred. Yeah, Thank you. Know? I appreciate that, because I, I think so, too. And how long did they give you in that? In the interview up in the Rogers. Six, six minutes. Six minutes. Yeah, six exactly. Six minutes. Yeah. And what can you get to know? How can you flesh out a topic? Well, the guy minutes?
0: was great, and he knew who I was, and he really was uh, gracious with me, and he was really nice with me, and I really did. it was better than a lot of commercial radio I've been in. But you do feel like you're being, being processed.
1: Yeah. You know. Well, this is great because I think when you can put context by some, when you put a little bit of time in it, you can put context. You can make you can well, make a proper and, point. And
0: uh, again, it's just good when. Going for that intelligence, you yeah. know, as opposed to just being gumbies talking about sports. Great.
1: You got time for one more song to close? Sure, sure, sure. And then, uh, so again, I just wanted to plug Fred's new album is uh, called um, "Tambourine." Tambourine. Yeah. You can get it on at from Fred's website, uh, uh, FredEaglesmith.com, and you can also get it on iTunes. That's where I got my copy of it, and uh, but probably it's better for you to get. <laughs> But anyways, and uh, also you can check out his tour dates too. He's going to be doing continuing on the uh, the Legion tour. Where are you this week? You're at uh, Drumbo on Friday, uh, Listowell on Saturday, Embro on Sunday. Next week he's in uh, Elsa Craig, Burlington, and Clinton. So check his website out because he's got all his dates on there. He does about 270 of them a year, so you can see Fred all over. he could be coming to your town soon enough, I'm pretty sure. Anyways, I just want to thank you again, Fred, for coming in. And you, I uh I appreciate one, it, man. What's this one called?
2: Uh, tell the Engineer.
1: Tell the Engineer. Thanks a lot.
2: Somebody ought to tell that engineer He don't have to blow his whistle Not so early in the morning Tell him to take his train Move it down the line My heart's full of sorrow My baby left here late last night She disappeared right out of sight She ain't coming back, it's clear Tell that engineer I am just a poor miller's son I grind buckwheat into flour I work hard every day When I get home at night I'm a little tired I don't have that much to say She just wouldn't understand She wanted more than just a man She rode that train right out of here Till that Could use some news It's been too many years I've cried too many tears I paid too many dues Somebody ought to go up To that station Where they're just Standing around and waiting Tell them What's been going on around here, tell that engineer. Uh
1: Great. Thank you. See you next week, folks.